to another episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Ballas, aka Brutal Gash, and I'm joined by an Abdul Nader apologist and all-around nice guy. It's Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, Hello. how are things? Very, very good, very good. I'm sure it is with all uh, all of the Celtics nation right now. Yeah, likewise. Uh, and of course, the talent from over the Tasman, our Brosif <laughs> in the Nosif. It's Joseph, aka Nosecrows McFly. How are you, Joe? Right, right. I'm feeling relaxed. Feeling relaxed. I'm feeling a little apologetic to the uh, to the neutral fans for that game. It was pretty ugly, but uh, but I'm feeling relaxed. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely we'll get there. Some very quick housekeeping. If you want to reach out, we're on Twitter <laughs> at r Celtics Pod. That's the letter R Celtics Pod. Of course, we're all over the Celtics sub as well. All of our stuff also goes up on the Facebook group Celtics Down Under. So a big shout out to Kane and Haley from Celtics Down Under. They've been letting us post and promote our podcast there from day one. If you're a Celtics fan and in the Oz, New Zealand area, you should definitely get in that group ASAP. It is the best. Now, coming up on the show, we'll spend most of the time talking about today's 96-83 critical Game 5 win against the LeBron James Cavaliers. We'll touch on some of the recent news from around the team, including the recent all-something team announcements, and of course, catch up on some of the best recent posts from around Celtics Reddit. But first, man, I am glad that we won that game. I fear the ultimate LeBron. Instead, we got sleepy LeBron putting up a lethargic 26 points, 10 boards, and 5 assists in what was not exactly a high-scoring game. Guys, uh, how are you feeling? Yeah, man, that was uh, it was a relief more than anything. I got to be honest. Um, I don't want to sound like I had my doubts, but I, something in me, you know, just figured after the two games that we dropped on the road that like that could just be enough that LeBron needs to get going there. But um, no, we were uh, we were uh, blessed, and the neutral was cursed with an incredibly uh, ugly <laughs> defense first kind of game. And uh, as you yeah accurately uh, said, we got sleepy LeBron. No road team has showed up in this series thus far, and that obviously uh, bodes very badly for Game Six, but very well for Game Seven if you want to look at it from there. I want to do a quick shout out to um, to Aaron Baines, um, bought into the starting lineup for this series. Bainesy um, and Bainesy. Oh mate, Bainesy, born in New Zealand, raised in Australia. He's a true blue Australian. Um, one NBA ring, more than Joel, one break, well, exactly one NBA ring more than Joel Embiid, so he can uh, put that on Twitter <laughs> if he wants to as well. Um, nice. And elite process for server. me, he, he process. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, <laughs> it didn't have a, It wasn't a scene stealing game. I'm sure we'll talk about someone who uh, definitely got most of the headlines later. But um, for me, for me, um, the tone was set early. He got this block on George Hill and then um, followed the ball up. I think it was Tatum and missed the layup. Got that in for points. Um, his first quarter defense, I thought, was outstanding. He ended up, I think, having three blocks at the half, and um, just so many instances where it just his defense and his presence just really helped us out a lot. And I mean, the highlight for me, it wasn't more; it was probably more of a Tatum play, but it was the um, it was the defense that he put up on LeBron. I think he had a contested uh, fadeaway shot that that missed. Tatum then takes the ball up, and he just found him with his fantastic pass underneath the uh, rim to um to get the dunk there, and. We just set the tone early and just cooked on and never really looked back. And I didn't think it was going to follow that formula again, but I mean, it did. Yeah, it, I agree about yeah. the tone setting early on. I mean, to be honest, that was the only really good part of the game was the first sort of quarter and yeah, 14 minutes agreed. or so of the game. Like, like it's funny, I'm feeling relaxed, but I'm not feeling elated like you normally do after a, what is a, I mean, it's the most important game of the season so far. And I'm kind of like, I'm honestly feeling a little ashamed of how that game went. It was just so poor. Shame. <laughs> oh, you, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm like, oh yeah, yeah I'll, I'll take the win. 
I'll take the win, but uh, I mean, I'm not like thumping my chest about that one. Um, but the first quarter and a half was great, and there was a, there was a lot of positive things to uh, to meditate upon. It was good to see us go back to gooning up the game, as Tyloo said. We didn't really do a lot of gooning in game three and four. No, no, um, no. But that's clearly what we need to do to to win against the Cavs. Um, and clearly, so far these playoffs, we're only capable of said gooning at home in Boston. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't the tidiest game. It wasn't full of finesse and like textbook like ball movement and like beautiful plays on both ends of the floor. And like, but and like we made layups to get the win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it made layups, made dunks. Uh, you know, even LeBron was making some like brutal brutal turnovers. Um, uh, I think he had six in total in the game. But I want to. Oh, he'd know. He'd be able to tell I, you because uh, he's got a photographic memory. Ben, haven't you heard? He's got a photographic memory. Yeah. I'm sure he can recount to us all six of those turnovers. But uh, I'm just scrolling through my, my notes here. Aaron Baines, I, I did some research. I gathered some advanced stats on Aaron Baines. Here we are. So Baines, gar- uh, Baines guarded Tristan Thompson on 31 total possessions. And in those 31 possessions, Tristan Thompson's stats were 1.1 assist. That's it. But Ben Simmons in 31 special total possessions. with points at least. Tristan yeah, Thompson suffering like, your jocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just good to have like a, sounds weird, but like a hard ass in the paint, kicking ass and taking names and just like basically being like a bouncer and like not letting one, anyone into the club, including yeah. LeBron at times. Like it was, uh, it was amazing. Probably the finest Baines moment that I left out of my uh, my opening spiel there was, um, and I alluded to it with the Embiid tweet, but the um, the the um, charge that I think he took from was it Clarkson or was oh, it Larry Nance Jr. It was Larry I can't Nance. remember. Larry Nance. Larry Nance on Space Jam. Yeah. It was almost one. Of, it was almost like one of those epic posters we've seen since uh, yesterday when Harden chunked on Draymond. But uh, he botched the he botched the dunk and got called for the charge. And I mean, again. Something was made of Baines, like he's only in the NBA to get dunked on and he eats all these posters and whatnot. And uh, yeah, he did and he got the foul and it was a winning play. To borrow from Marcus Smart's book of uh, repertoire. Yeah, it was almost a Space Jam dunk though. Like he had the go-go gadget stretchy arms going on. He almost almost made that dunk, but uh, Baines, he stepped up and uh, got it done. But anyway, at the, the risk of like falling back into just like seeming like just a, a Australian, New Zealand basketball podcast we should move on onwards and upwards to jason tatum who just had an incredible game i don't know what can you say about this rookie tates is the uh the name that we've uh that we've given him i don't know if it'll stick but like i was saying to you guys at some point uh in our chat today like it's it's so weird with tatum because most of the time you you can't believe like he's a rookie at all like he just plays with such like confidence and like finesse and it just like he's got all these moves and he just always sort of gives us a bucket when we need one but then occasionally he'll like do something very rookie like and you're like oh that's fine like he's a he's a rookie he can do that so it, it's kind of in this weird position as a Tatum fan as a Celtics fan where he's like a frustration free player because you enjoy all the good stuff and then you like you give him an exemption on the bad stuff because he is a rookie I feel like there's a great correlation between Jason Tatum's how we 
vision him and his performances if they're good it's amazing because he's you know he's over delivering to so to speak and if he's playing poorly well he's a rookie so you have to expect these dips it's kind of like our team this season really isn't it like we got to the point where we hit critical mass with injuries and we knew we wouldn't have Kyrie for the playoffs it was like they've done an amazing job you know we'll enjoy it you know they're, they're wounded they don't have this so of course we can you know it's nothing to really worry about if we lose but um now that we are winning and going on this amazing run we look at it like holy shit like this is just unprecedented. So, you know, I feel like I feel like Jason Tatum's kind of... I feel like we're entering the Jason Tatum era. That might be way <laughs> premature to say that. But <laughs> that this is obviously so ground happy. zero, and I feel just like this, this, this right here there, could, capture, could really could really kick things on. But hey, we, we shall see how game six... And seven. Yeah, I... yeah if, if you want to talk about the Jason Tatum era, I can just sit here and listen, like, literally all night. Okay? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, I think the... I hope in the Jason Tatum era, um, he, he discovers a left hand at some point in that, because if he does, he'll be very, very good. <laughs> this is chapter um, one of many. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm with you guys. I mean, Tatum is certainly the most, you know, he sort of seems quite fireproof. Um, you know, as a part, like, where I'm at with Tatum is, you know, we, we go through Tatum Brown sort of comparison, but to me, I'm I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm sorry, but Jalen is not going to be as good as players as Tatum is. It's it's really not probably going to be particularly close. Tatum's clearly won. Jalen's going to be one A at best, I think, on this team. Um, he's just so much more skilled, and he. They talk about his composure. Um, you know, a lot of the old old heads are. You'll hear like Paul Pierce and um, Stephen Jackson, Vince Carter. They'll talk about his composure. And it's so true. Like he, he really, he really never seems rattled, and um, he produces consistently, which sort of indicates that that he really is pretty comfortable. And tonight he was aggressive. Yeah, he was, and we need that from him. Um, you know, particularly like yeah, he hasn't really shown that in the last couple of games in Cleveland. Kind of disappeared a little bit. Um, which like I said, like that's understandable because he's a rookie. But when he's not acting like that, it's amazing, and he's an all star. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, but Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer tweeted, Jason Tatum uh, has been a massive two-way difference maker for the Celtics this quarter. This was sometime after the first. Active off-ball jumping, uh, the passing lanes, attacking the basket, and hitting the -the off-the-dribble three. And he's only 20 years old. Uh, I I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there were so many uh, attempts to make post-entry passes from the Cavs. And Tatum, until he got into sort of semi-foul trouble, did a really good job of fronting on those... um, on those attempts and just like stealing the ball with his giant, giant long body and arms. Um, it's just incredible. We've got so many points off those turnovers as well. It was really well done by Tatum. This is the first time that I can like recall recently where I've really been impressed by his defense. I mean, mm-hmm. the way he, he got a few steals and deflected passes and stuff. I think the, the biggest play that actually stands out for me, there was, it was seven eighteen left in the fourth. Cavs were on a 9-0 run. We were up 21. Jackson, do you have a photographic 12, memory was- like LeBron James? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, could be the, in the, the, league, the LeBron mate. school of neurotic, neurotics. I, I subscribe to that. Don't you worry. Um, uh, LeBron... You don't have to go to college for that either, by the way. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry. Of course not. <laughs> so anyway, it's an I don't know Cavs run. I'm absolutely shitting myself. I'm sure you guys are too. You could feel the tension. <laughs> the crowd was just kind of building because we just refused to shut the door, and, and here they yeah. were, like threatening them out of comeback. LeBron found Kyle Korver coming off a screen, and normally that's just the death of me. Jason Tatum blocks that shot and it didn't lead to any points, I think for another like minute and a half or two minutes after that. But I feel like if that had gone in, the run was 12 and 0 and they were within 10, like who knows how that game could have turned out. And like as good as Tatum's offense was, I felt like his defensive uh, display was just as, if not more so. Well, he brought, he, he blocked LeBron at the rim, unless 
And they said what? that was a pass because I think he was trying to find. Sorry to cut you off. I think he was trying to find someone in the corner, but he may have been going for a layup. I can't tell, but it kind of looked like a pass. If it's the one I'm thinking of, anyway, underneath the. Wow, in the it looked like a shot to me. It looked like a shot to me. You claim that, Tatum. <laughs> like a dubious block. Is there like a dubious blocks to deflections panel? Like there is in. <laughs> like because they could review that and adjust his stats accordingly. Because yeah, don't don't deprive the man. Block. A block is so much. Like I'd way rather have a block on my stat sheet than a steal. Like that, they're just harder to yeah. do. Like anyone can get a steal, but not anyone can block a shot. You know. Now we've talked about Tatum. We've talked about Baines a little bit. I do. I do want to talk about LeBron James um, because two reasons. Like obviously, we're playing LeBron James. We are, you know, a Celtics podcast, and also LeBron James metadata will be really good for um, promoting our podcast. Uh, but uh, he was quite tired in this game. I mean, obviously, they called that out in the in the commentary uh, in the broadcast, but. I, I don't think that I've ever seen LeBron show like such a glaring weakness aside from earlier in his career when he really, really could not shoot from outside, like beyond the free throw line. Um, that uh, made me feel good, I got to say. Like, uh, you know, obviously I don't like to see anyone having a bad time. You know, generally a positive guy, but <laughs> seeing LeBron James sort of suffer through portions of the game um, where, you know, he is to be feared by all non-Cav supporters made me feel pretty good. And we'll get to our Game 6 predictions uh, later in the show. But um, I don't know. I've, just, I've never seen him like that before. Did anyone see the Skip Bayless tweet where he kind of implied that he was... Uh, I'll read it out to you. This is just pathetic. LeBron is sitting on the scorer's table, chugging water, trying to show gullible witnesses he's, quote, dehydrated, end quote. Next, we'll hear he's suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome, unreal. So, according to Skip Bayless, who, oh, well, we shouldn't really, you know, <laughs> rely on him for content. Don't give him a platform. Here, no, no, yeah, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. To, to, to suggest that he was, Don't like, somehow um, trying to uh, exaggerate his fatigue in order to, you know, create that as an excuse. Or if you want to look at it another way, again, I can't really give but maybe he was conserving some energy because they knew the game was gone and he wanted to have be, you know, fresh and get into attack mode for game six. If that's the case, yeah. obviously, obviously I hope he's tired. He did look tired, but if he is playing this kind of like this mind test game and he does want to do that and he is trying to like have all of his power for game six, well, then got to come back to Boston for game seven. So if it's a do or die game for game six and he does go, you know, insanely good, is he going to be able to back that up in Game 7 in Boston? We might be getting a bit of ahead of ourselves here in terms of like the performance and whatnot, but if it's a question of fatigue, then you know I'm, I'm inclined to believe he is tired. What I want to talk about is, man, did he suck that bottle of water back? It was like Bob Hawke. Yeah, that, <laughs> that yeah. was incredible. Water, water, surely, right? <laughs> man, I, I was... I That's was... an HGH milkshake. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably platelet-rich. That was incredible, man. Like, that was quite a display of sculling. Um, yeah, that's what I, I, I was quite impressed by that. In terms of, like, LeBron being tired, uh, everyone's tired. Who cares? Sorry, LeBron. You know, you, you're no more tired than anybody else. We're all, they've all played a ton of minutes. Suck it up. Get on with it. You lost, you know. Um, there's no... But there's he's, no. he's such a machine. Yeah. Like, he is known non-human right like uh, everyone sort of like puts him in a different uh like realm when they're judging regular human behavior the, the same principles don't apply to lebron james and that's why it was so weird to see him appear vulnerable today it's going to be weird when it happens but if it is not already happening but he will 
begin slow sooner or later. We will begin to see obvious signs of a drop-off. And this could be the start of it. You know, this could be the start of it. He's up against the best defensive team in the NBA. He's had to carry this team that the consensus seems to be is nowhere near as good as his previous teams. And we're getting in his face and we're not letting him have easy shots, at least at home. So, who knows? Could be get this could be you know the start of the the LeBron Goliath away falling to pieces. But again, it would be timely. You know, like we would. I would personally like that as a Celtics fan. I would love that as a Celtics fan. Thank you very much. Just a little bit. Let us get through to the finals. That'd be nice. Uh, Before we move on, interesting uh, stat: LeBron only got to the free throw line twice. He only made four free throw attempts the whole game, which um, is crazy. he made three of those four, but the way that he just puts his head down and charges to the rim, even with our fairly solid defense, which is more situated around the perimeter generally than around the uh, the bucket, surprising that he only got there twice. One of them was bogus too, the one on Marcus Morris. That was totally Ugh, bogus. Yes. The uh, Cavs role players, if you can call them that, uh, Kevin Love obviously was pretty solid in the first quarter. Uh, but only went on to score 14 points overall in the game with seven boards and two assists and a couple of steals and a block. But the rest of them, uh, I, if I was a Cavs fan right now, I'd be pretty frustrated with the absence of one Kyrie Irving. I mean, we, we talked about during the Buck series, I called it today the, the Greg Monroe effect, which is <laughs> like we succeed now against the Bucks in general because Greg Monroe is no longer playing um, for that team and he's on our bench. And, you know, it's... Slightly, you know, larger scale or, or whatever, but the fact that Kyrie Irving, yeah, sure, he's not on our team, he's sitting on our bench, bench, but he's not playing for the Cavs. And the way that he killed us last year, and there are so many times where the Cavs are stagnating, where you just know that like a guy like Kyrie Irving could come in and just absolutely revive their excuse for an offense. The fact that he's not there, he's not on their roster. Sure, like I said, he's not playing for us, but he's being neutralized. You know, um, that. That is huge. And the rest of these Cavaliers players, um, I, just looking at their field goal percentages now, like J.R. Smith, one for six. George Hill, one for five. Larry Nance only made one field goal attempt. Jeff Green, three of four. Clarkson took 10 shots and made three of them. And uh, Kyle Korver was only two for six after being pretty hot uh, in Cleveland the last couple of games. So uh, they were just completely nullified. And LeBron was tired. And uh, it led to us having basically a Geno-style blowout win in the end. So... Good times. I thought Clarkson and Nance's best minutes came in the direct aftermath of the um of the the Nance uh sort of argy bargy whatever where we end up getting two technicals for some god known reason. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean like it it appeared that that energy that that sort of like when it got into a fight when that probably was the moment where that was gooning it up and that looked like they started it to me. But those three minutes aside, yeah, there was really I didn't see anything from the Cavs role players that really inspired fear in me. Corva hits you know threes every now and then and. When he's hot, he's hot. It does get scary, but I mean, yeah, no, it's it's just been more of the the same predictable, uninspiring Cavs offense and defense in the TD Garden as it has been in games in one and two. I'm not sure whether the Cavs have been beating us or we've been beating ourselves um, while we've been in Cleveland. Um, I I really feel like a lot of it is us beating ourselves. I, I you know I don't want to jump into predictions, but I'm feeling positive about Game Six. And um, it, it's just, a, there just seems to be a weird vibe. It's like LeBron, there's just this dark cloud that seems to hang around his teams, right? Like, why? Why do these guys not thrive? They're really good, you know? Like, Rodney Hood's a really good player. 
Jordan Clarkson, okay, well, he's not, he's not, you know, like a top flight player, but he's not a nobody. Why can these guys not thrive? Um, why is it so hard yeah. to play with LeBron? That's what I want to know. I, yeah, I, I would, I would one throw out one quick theory, and that's probably just the elephant in the room is despite all of the, if they can somehow pull this out, they've still got to place the Warriors. And I think everyone knows deep down that they've got really no chance. So yeah. I wonder how that motivation, even coming from LeBron, I wonder how that affects the rest of the team. Like they must have serious doubts that this could go all, all this hard work and all this grind and all this hustle. And, and I think that's a, I think that's affecting him as well too. I think it's a really good point, Jackson, because like f- for the Celtics to get to the finals, that's an accomplishment, right? Like it's gravy. It's mm. great we got there. You know, if we get if we get a game in the finals, wh- whoopee, that's great. But if you're the Cavs, I just you, you kind of look at LeBron. I was sitting there watching him, I was thinking, does he really want to go through all this again? Does he actually want to go to the finals? Like. <laughs> Can he be bothered, you know, or should he just just wrap it up now? I think there's a there's a there's a whiff of that about the um about about the Cavs right now. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I do want to move on to our game six predictions because, you know, game five has happened and game six is in the future, and that's that that's the juicy good stuff that we should be getting to. But there are a few quick acknowledgements that we we need to uh, quickly touch on before we move on. Uh, Al Horford. I, I thought that he was really uh, good and aggressive uh, early in the first and then particularly in the third quarter once the Cavs were in the penalty in terms of going to him in the post and, and getting him good looks, sort of bodying up Tristan Thompson or Kevin Love and, and getting um, good looks in the paint. That was interesting and he hadn't really quite been that aggressive during games three and four in Cleveland, so that was really, really good to see. I mean, he didn't put up amazing numbers, but I, I think... Um, I'm just looking at them here, 15 points, uh, an assist, and 12 boards. Pretty impressive. Uh, 50% from the field on two attempts, 44% from the field overall. So kind of a, a classic Al Horford game in that sense. The, the numbers really aren't jumping out to you during the game, but then you look at the box score afterwards, and he's actually been quite effective. I, I thought he was pretty impressive. Any thoughts on Al Horford, guys? No. <laughs> exactly, I've thought right? another player. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, he just he just happened. That's cool. We're just touching on it very quickly. Uh, no Kyle Korver in the first quarter. Uh, I thought that was interesting. And uh, Ty Lue, this was tweeted by Scott Souza. Cavaliers coach Ty Lue said Brad Stevens not going to semi in the first quarter threw them for a loop and led him to keep Kyle Korver on the bench. Love that. Um, that doesn't make any sense to me. That makes no sense. I, I didn't realize that Shami Ojolet was such a like a key factor in terms of having Kyle Korver on the court. Like you don't generally, even though he has been Jalen Brown's kryptonite to some degree, I didn't. I, I don't understand the dynamic there and, and the and the. It seems just to defy uh, common sense, really, is it? That they had this great big glam, uh, game plan, you know, set up, and this was what going to happen when Urgele comes in. We put Corver in for this and that, and when it never came, they just never, you know, really adjusted. And we were, they weren't hitting any threes. We were getting lots of threes, so I felt I felt like it was just a matter of time before we'd see him, and it didn't come in. So I mean, that just to me is just an indictment on on. I'm Tyloo. I'm sorry. Like it's just uh, I, one of many. Yeah, one of many. One of many. When he doesn't, when he's not producing magic, like rings falling out of his mouth, he's not doing much else. <laughs> yeah, uh, we talked about Jason Tatum before, but uh, we didn't touch on the fact that he had four steals in this game. Most of them came out of those post entry passes. But uh, I don't know what his career high in steals is, but that uh, I think is quite impressive given the other stats that he put up. Uh, 
I honestly we could have made this a Jason Tatum podcast. Um, like in our chat today, pretty much everything I said to you guys was just the words Jason Tatum in capital letters. Uh, I love that kid, uh, and he just had such a good game. And really, the the defensive stats he had two blocks as well, uh, and only two turnovers really sort of capped everything off. Uh, Terry Rogier didn't really see a lot from Rogier. I think he was three for fifteen. Overall, Jay King tweeted, you can't attack Terry Rogier switches if Terry Rogier's not on the court, it turns out. He played 16 minutes in the first half only, which is on pace for his lowest playing time uh, numbers of the playoffs. Um, when he was on the court, though, I did think that the active, I think they're calling it the shuffle switching from Rogier to get him off LeBron when those switches Kick occur switch. was actually pretty good. He did a good job of like finding the open guy in the corner. Yeah, yeah, that, that did look a lot tighter tonight, for sure. Yeah, now Larry Nance Jr. and Mook, uh, whose nickname is apparently Flask Dad, <laughs> which I love. It's what, uh, sorry? Flask Dad? Flask Dad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, all right. Uh, it's all part of Celtics Twitter, which is its own phenomenon. But anyway, uh, they had their little uh, argy-bargy, their scuffle, their biffo, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, early in the second. And that really sucked a lot of the gravity, a lot of the momentum out of the arena for us, which fortunately, because the Cavs were... Shithouse, for lack of a better term, for the majority of the game, we were able to persevere and, and not allow them to use that momentum switch to, uh, you know, to tip things over on us. Um, and then I just have written down after that, J.R. Smith is not a smart man. And there are, I think, lots of things that happened during the game to make me write that, um, but none specifically that I can recall. Oh, there was that crucial um, foul he made. I think Tatum was setting a screen and he came up, he pushed, uh, pushed him in the back. It was like it was in a tight spot. Like they maybe cut the lead to twelve, put us on the line, got us two free throws. It was just like a pressure release valve. J.R. Smith coming through, coming through for the team once again. Yeah, he's been he's been he's been like my probably my seventh favorite Celtic when we when we play at home at least. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't you you feel like he's probably got one. He's only got max of two games left. One game in him where he's probably going to explode, but. I'm, I'm, my my fear of that is diminishing basically mm. every game since, so it's getting yeah. quite low. Yeah, totally. Now uh, we should leave game five there. It's done. It's in the past. We want to move on to game six, which is happening uh, Saturday morning, Australia, New Zealand time. So that'll be Friday night, Boston-ish, you know, that area time. Uh, game six, back in Cleveland. Uh, we've obviously not performed particularly well on the road so far these playoffs, despite doing so extremely well during the regular season. Playoffs is a different beast. We all know that at this point. Uh, I'm keen to hear your predictions uh, about what you think might happen in game six. Are we going to wrap it up or are we going to be back in Boston for game seven? I think this is a game that could be a real banana skin for Cleveland because the narrative is at the moment... The home team always wins. The away team always plays like shit and inevitably loses. So if we can just not be down by 15 at the end of the first quarter, <laughs> I like our chances. No. Because three out of the four, three or four out of the five games we've seen so far, is the one team kicks out to a 15, 20 point lead or whatever and basically stays there. So if we can just not get ourselves or not need to pull ourselves out of a hole, I give us every chance of getting this game, wrapping up in six. I think we do. Um, I think I think there's just a lot of reading the tea leaves. There's just a lot of things tea tea leaves tea leaves reading the tea leaves. It just sort of seems to be a lot of things that um that make me feel like this is this is the game. One, I think we believe that we need to close them out in six. I think I don't think anybody 
associated with uh, with the color green wants to see LeBron um, in Game Seven. Um, and I think the mythology of LeBron is sort of a little overstated, but um, but I still don't want to see him. Um, I think we think we need to. I think we're due for a good shooting performance there. I think just so much of the stuff or the stuff that happened to the Celtics was, um, particularly in game four, was sort of self-inflicted. Missed layups, those two saves from, the, those two inbound saves under our own hoop that just went right into their hands. You know, those sort of things are momentum killers. And I, I just don't think they're quite going to happen this game. So I think it'll be a close game and I think we'll win. Um, and the other thing, the, I guess the adjustment I noticed um, or I thought I noticed at least. So Cleveland weren't attacking the um, the offensive glass very hard. Now, partly that was due to Baines, but I also think that's also partly due to the fact that we were pushing it hard, eh? Like, we were pushing it hard when we got it, when we got the ball. And when, when you start to push it hard in transition, teams want to get back in transition de- to set up their defense. I thought that there was just a, um, a positive little, a little virtuous cycle there, and I'd look to see that. Push the tempo, get aggressive. Yeah, keep them off the offensive glass. Good call out. Uh, hopefully, we can keep that up. I, whenever I, I, you mentioned that the like the the mythological LeBron, uh, is overstated. I when I look at LeBron, I hear like satanic choir music <laughs> and like I my vision blurs and I just I I don't feel like it's overstated at all. I, I'm terrified of that guy and I don't want to see him in a game seven whatsoever. I'm sure most people feel the same way on the Celtic side of things. So. With that said, I'm I'm hopeful and sort of confident. Although I was fairly confident going into Game Three, which obviously we uh, messed up quite badly. However, I feel like we had a, a lot of good momentum towards the end of Game Four in Cleveland, where we were sort of slowly clawing our way back, which carried on to today's game, Game Five, where we were dominant coming out in the first quarter, outscoring them 32 to 19. I, I I do feel like at this point with LeBron's fatigue and just the general bedshitting of the rest of the Cavaliers that we can probably go in and steal a win. Like you said, Joe, we're due. I, I do think we can do it and uh, wrap this thing up and uh, hopefully go to the finals, which would be amazing. Uh, score prediction, just going to throw something out here. 102 to 93, Boston. Uh, you guys want to throw something out there so we can play it back if you're right? <laughs> Um, I'm going to go 97-90. Spicy. I'm going to say, how's this spice? I'm going to say 108-105 in overtime. Wow. I don't, to, I don't know if I can handle an overtime. Do the Cavs. Oh. oh. Exactly. oh I really can't knife. handle that. I, re- I would hate it. And I would, <laughs> if, if this ends up coming true, I'm going to try and I'm going to want to punch myself in the face now. But yeah, I, I, I feel like we're getting a game seven. I just, I can feel them all. I don't want it. I don't not want a game seven. I'm not afraid of a game seven because I think... Even if LeBron shows up for there, we've had a 40-point triple-double from him and we still put it away. We need to see like a Game 7 J.R. Smith, Game 7 Kyle Corver, et cetera, et cetera. I like our chances. But I think this is just going to be just too much. We're due a, we're also, we're due a Tony Brothers officiated Game 2. So That's true. I think That's I would true. probably rather a Game 6 than Game 7. But again, I would rather win Game 6 no matter what. So I am going to go with Cavs reluctantly. It's going to be interesting. Can't wait. Now, we're almost out of time. We've got some uh, news and we've got some quick Reddit posts to run through. Uh, first news item, Jason Tatum makes the all-rookie team. The first rookie since Paul Pierce back in uh, 98, I think it was. Yay, Jason. Uh, so he made that team. A, a, yeah, yay, Jason. More Jason Tatum praise. Along with uh, Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Kyle Kuzma, and Laurie Markadon, who 
a I don't solid, know if I'm surprised that's to see a solid him. rookie I'm, team, I think. Very solid rookie Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, um, Mark. And I've got a good friend who's a Bulls fan. I like to put a lot of shit on the Bulls, so I'm, maybe he does deserve to be there, but I've been telling my friend that he, that he doesn't. Um, but yeah, that's great news. Obviously, Jason Tatum, like I said, first rookie to make the all-rookie team since, uh, for the Celtics rather, since uh, 1998. That's special. Now, Al Horford made the all-defensive second team. Uh, I haven't looked at the stats here, but I was kind of hoping he'd make the first team. But I think that's a fairly biased viewpoint from the Celtics standpoint. Uh, he made the all-defensive second team along with Joel Embiid, Draymond Green uh, himself. I'm sorry, I'm just reading through the list here. DeJounte Murray and Jimmy Butler. So pretty elite company there. Um, I think he's probably elevated his defensive abilities, you know, guiding the likes of Giannis and... Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in the playoffs. But hey, that's a nice little shout out there for uh, Father Al. And of the smart snubbery, I've written it down as here. He was snubbed again from the all-defensive team, uh, which I just think is crazy. He is known league-wide as an, an incredible defensive player. He's shown it time and time again. Maybe there are some unquantifiable stats there that come into it with those who have voted for those all-defensive teams because he just does so much on the court. And I think anyone who actually watches the games knows this. But, uh, you know, he's still young. His career um, is still short-lived to this point, And hopefully he gets recognized for his defensive abilities in the near future. Yeah, I was going to say, the only the only um, really tangible metric I could see for Smart not making the defensive team was he only played 54 games. Um, that's less than all the... 10 guys ahead of him in the first and second team. Gobert only did play 56, only two than him, but the difference he made when he came back into the Jazz team was huge. Next closest up, that's Embiid, who, again, was on no back-to-backs for a long, large part of the series. So beyond that, everyone there is about, you know, be above the 60, almost 70 marks. So that's probably the only stat that I can think of, but I think everyone absolutely is aware of what Marcus Smart's doing, and it's going to be... He's going to have that guard spot in the defensive team locked down, I think, for the next few years if he keeps... Yeah. It's only a matter of time. Now, some quick Reddit shout-outs before we wrap this thing up. Uh, big shout-out in general to the people of Celtics Reddit. Keep uh, the uh, the fantastic content coming in. User dubbed for life in the post-game thread after today's Game 5 wrote, We won by 13, shooting only 36%. Defensively, we are GOAT, a.k.a. Greatest of all time. Uh, certainly this season, we are GOAT, but uh, <laughs> we'll uh, see how that turns out in the long-term User Compensated Shill wrote, the Celtics have won more playoffs game, playoff games versus the Cavs in this series than the Toronto Raptors have won in their franchise history. Ouch. Poor Toronto. Uh, <laughs> Poor old Toronto. <laughs> I think we're going to do more of a uh, like a opposing team subreddit exploration and do it as tastefully as possible, perhaps in the offseason, because there's been some... Um, you know, there's always people hopping back and forth between team subreddits talking shit. Uh, and it's an interesting dynamic of the, the sort of the team Reddit fandom. But uh, we don't really have time to get into it. And there's way too much going on, obviously, with real life basketball scenarios. But um, I think that's going to be some fun off-season content. And maybe we'll get some um, some Celtics Reddit guests in as well for that. Uh, moving forward, posted by user Absorbaloft per Bleacher Report. Jason Tatum is only 44 points away from having scored the most playoff points by a rookie in NBA history. So, obviously, when we make the finals, <laughs> uh, we go to Game Seven. He he's going to reach that mark um, again. Oh, he's Jason probably going to reach it after Game Six, <laughs> to be honest. Hey, oh yeah, I like that take. Yes, that is a spicy take. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. I'm <laughs> smiling ear to ear right now. That is that is good. I really hope that happens. 
Um, a 44-point triple-double where he posterizes LeBron. That'd be yep. nice. I like that. Now, yeah. <laughs> User Fozzy24. We are the closest team in the NBA to reaching the fucking finals. Uh, he writes, if you told me this after the opening of game one, I'd have smacked you. I love this team. I love you guys. One more win. And then to capital off user Poncho's regular subreddit user for the Boston Celtics writes, the Boston Celtics are now only one win away from the finals, which seems like a good place to end this podcast. We are only one win away from the finals. I know that, uh, and my beautiful, lovely wife has given me permission to spend some of our money to fly over there from Sydney to Boston <laughs> to, to watch the Celtics in game three and four in Boston if we do make the finals, uh, I am so excited. That is I a good not... woman, Ben. That is a good woman. Folks. Yes. I'm aware. Yeah, I'm, I'll be playing this back to her as well, earning some brownie points back already. <laughs> uh, I At the start of the season, we all know what happened in game one. I don't even want to say it, but if anyone told me, like uh, Fozzie was saying earlier, if we were going to make the finals at that point, um, I would have slapped them. I would have told them, no way. But uh, here we are. We're one win away, and uh, it's really, really exciting. I'm really happy and really excited for our young guys. Guys, any parting thoughts? I, f- I feel like we're in the midst of one of the great 30 for 30s and I, I'm scared <laughs> the reality check will show up sooner or later or it's just, we're just going to be a part of just one of those great underdog stories. And either way, regardless of what happens, it's been an amazing season and there's so many things to be positive about. So it's all good, man. Yeah, it has just been a magic season. Um, I think we've had, it feels like we've had like three or four of them on the trot, you know, with Brad Stevens. You know, the first time we made the playoffs was a cool season. And they've just gotten better and better. They've always been more enjoyable. Um, and I think as fans, I think we just need to relax and, and, and sort of realize that we, we don't know what our team's capable of. You know, like we, we thought we were going to get waxed by Philadelphia. A lot of us thought we might have gotten beaten by the Bucks. A lot of us thought we're going to get yeah. beaten by the Cavs. Whoever we face in the finals, which I think we're going to get to, you know? A lot of us, we're all going to think, oh, gee, we've got no show. Just enjoy it and think we have a chance, you know? Just just believe, guys. Just believe. Yeah. Q, two times LeBron, 60-point, triple-double games. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it looks like we're going to do it. Um, and I'm excited. I'm very, very excited. Look, um, I think that's about as good as place as any to leave it. That will just about do it for this episode of the Boston Celtics Reddit Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks again also to the Celtics Down Under Facebook page for promoting our show. Thank you Redditors as well for being awesome and all the awesome content and just being lovely in general. We love you guys. We'll be back shortly after Game 6 to hopefully celebrate a finals berth, our first since 2010. Who knows? Until then, Joe Jackson, thanks again for joining us. Cheers. Peace, boys. All right, guys. We'll see you soon. Peace. Peace.